everybody. It is so nice to see you on a beautiful morning such as today. Man, I am all about this weather. Usually I don't like it when it gets close to like 100 degrees, but this year, considering the June we've had, I'm like, fry me, I love it. <laughs> um, so, so yesterday I was driving in the weather. It got close to 100 degrees between here and Eugene. I had a really good friend that was getting married yesterday uh, named Drew. And I probably told you stories about this before. My wife's family. They're hazelnut farmers. They have a wedding venue on their property and they live in Pleasant Hill, which is just south of Eugene. So it's about like from here, like two and a half hours less, you know, if you're, you know, just depending who's driving. Anyway, um, and, uh, and so I had to go uh, all the way there yesterday and then all the way back. And, and so that was a quick trip all the way down, about five hours in the car. And, you know, I bet you I thought of something that you probably would have thought of too. And it was that, man, this trip sounds fun and expensive, right? Uh, because, my goodness, uh, it, it's just how much, how much higher can gas prices get? Uh, and, so, uh, and so I kind of have this like normal car. It's, it's kind of a clunker. It's a, it's a Forester. And, uh, and, and I was just looking at it and I was agonizing over uh, how much this was about to cost to get all the way down and back. Now, I swore when, when I was younger uh, and the Prius was just becoming a thing, I swore I, I would never be caught dead driving a Prius. I don't know why. I just, I had something against them. I had an ax to grind and I took it out on the Priuses and I, I swore I would never drive a Prius. <clears throat> and then last year, my parents bought a Prius. And... So, uh, so yesterday I was, and we're staying with my parents right now, more on that later. Uh, and, uh, and so I was standing in the driveway and I was looking at my Forester in despair. And then I saw my parents' Prius sitting in the driveway and I noticed that it was glistening in the sunlight. And it was <laughs> glittering and I thought, hmm, that looks like a nice drive, right? And so sure enough, I, I humbled myself and I said, mom, dad, can I borrow the Prius? Words I never thought I would say in this lifetime. And I did, and it was beautiful. It was a great drive. I'm on a Prius now. <laughs> and uh, and it, it saved my wallet from despair. And that was great. Um, and I was thinking of something while I was driving down, it had a lot of time to think because it was just me in the car yesterday. And I was thinking that, Man, uh, man I, I sure pay attention to the gas gauge these days. Uh, I, and I'm, I'm sure a lot of you do too. I have to be more frugal uh, where I'm going and, and those types of things. And it reminded me of a question that somebody asked me a couple years ago. It was my brother-in-law. And uh, he asked me a question that, <clears throat> uh, that has kind of resonated. It's kind of stuck in my head. It, it was just a, a lighthearted question, but it was this. He, he hadn't seen me in a while. He said, hey, Scott, how's your life tank doing? Right? And, I, and I, I've thought about that, right? Because it is kind of like that, isn't it? Like where, where we have life tanks like that run from empty to full. And like when we're full, you know, we're feeling, you know, we're feeling rested and encouraged and things are going well. Maybe we're learning and we're, we're having a good time with our family and our friends. And then sometimes we all know what it feels like to kind of run on empty too, huh? And, and that, that may be what we're going through hard circumstances. We're busy. We're so busy. We don't have time to think, let alone, uh, you know, talk to people we care about. Maybe we've been sick. Maybe you have these fun summer allergies and you're just, you feel like you're just fighting to get through the week. You're, you're on empty. 
And you know, I was just thinking yesterday that, that spiritually things can be a little bit like that too. You know, we, we don't get like not filled with the Spirit. But, but I do think Christians can run on empty in some ways. Like, uh, like, like uh, for instance, um, maybe the, the Bible really isn't a part of your daily life. It's not really part of, of your diet. Um, and, and, you know, although the Word of God is there, the truths of God are, are there, we have more access to the Bible than we've ever had in human history. But maybe, you know, it's just not really part of your daily routine, part of your life, really. And, and we can kind of run on empty that way. Maybe, maybe you're kind of like I was when I was in college, and you have a million friends, but maybe not very many friends that you really sit down and, and you talk with. And that really know what's going on in your life and in your heart and, and what the Lord is teaching you right now. And we can kind of be on empty that way. And as a matter of fact, I think Christians can be caught in kind of a dangerous place if we, if we get empty and we stay empty. I think the Bible kind of talks about that as, as sort of being immature, right? Not really growing deep in our faith, kind of staying at, at, a, at, a, at a sort of baby level in the faith instead of growing deep. And, and I think what we're going to find as we start Colossians chapter 2 today is that Paul's desire is that we are not Christians cruising around on empty all the time. But we are people who are growing, we're, we're rooted, and we are deep in Jesus. And to do that, we really have to be people who are growing together. Part of the body of Christ that's building itself up and uh, being encouraged and, and you're learning and you're growing, you're being stretched, you're being encouraged. And I think what we're going to see in this passage today is, is that Paul's desire and, and I think kind of the, the, the heart of, of a pastor and really just the heart of a believer is, is that Christians would be together, would be united, but would be part of a growing living body where spiritually our tanks are full. That's how Jesus does. He says, you know, not just that he comes to give life, but abundantly. You know, I think about Psalm 23. I think about, you know, the spread table and an overflowing cup. And, and even though life is hard, and there's, there's many tribulations for the Christians uh, to walk through. Uh, but, but yet we read that in our relationship with the Lord. And in our relationship with one another, uh, we're just to have these overflowing cups. We're to have these lives of blessings. So there's a tension there. And, and we're kind of going to talk about that. Here's the passage today. Uh, and, and so here's what Paul says. And he's thinking about the church at Colossae. He wants to be with them. Uh, they're in his heart. They're in his mind. So here's what he says. For I want you to know how great of a struggle that I have for you and those at Laodicea and for all uh, who have not seen me face to face, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Now I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. For though I'm absent in body, yet I'm with you in spirit. And I'm rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. You know, Paul's heart, even though that he's away, 
is that they're going to grow together. And this was so important because there was some heresy that was entering into the body of Christ in uh, Colossae and, and kind of the, the people around it. And uh, what we see is that, that Paul is sort of in a pastor's heart. He's writing and he's telling them to stay firm and ta- uh, stay together. And so I think in many ways, uh, this has a lot for us today too. Uh, and, and what I want to do today is I just want to look back to that passage and just pour out, pull out four ways that you and I can grow together deep roots in Christ. And we're going to kind of keep talking about this uh, through chapter two, but we're just getting started today. Let's pray, and then we're going to dive right in. Uh, Jesus, we just thank you for the ways that um, you have saved our lives. And we thank you that, Lord, uh, you're the source of every good and perfect gift. And, and Lord, that you, you do overflow our cups. Lord, we are, we are filled with your spirit. We're filled with life. And, and Lord, those things just uh, only uh, are highlighted when we're together in fellowship. And this morning, Lord, I just pray that you would bring to mind uh, people who you've brought along in our lives, people that we can encourage, people that can encourage us, and that, Lord, even today, that you would build us right here at Gateway Up, that you would build us together, you would knit us together, and that, Lord, we might leave here with, with fuller tanks than we came in, ready to go out uh, and have a successful week in you. Lord, bless our time together, and we pray all this in your name. Amen. So I was, um, when I was in college, I was really good at the whole um, gas tank on empty thing. Like, had it down to a fine art. I, I prided myself on this. So I, I kept my gas gauge, like, if this was, like, empty, and it was, like, like right, right above empty. And I, and I would keep it there for a couple reasons. Uh, number one, I went to school in Portland, uh, kind of in southeast, and uh, it was right around Tabor. And so a lot of cars got broken into, and I just had this little black, uh, like, sports car, you know, and it was super, like, you could just pry the window down because it had those, you know, cranked windows, and it didn't have a real top on it. And so you could just pry it down. So I was like, if somebody steal, steals my car, they can have fun with, like, a 30-second of gas, you know. And, uh, and so that was one reason. Another reason was I was broke, and, uh, you know, everything was pretty close to where I went to school, so I knew where, like, every dollar menu was, and, and I would keep just enough gas to get there once in a while. Um, <clears throat> and, and I knew I was doing it right. I knew I was doing it best when I would, and if you had, like, old, like, four-banger cars, you know what I'm talking about, when I would, like, pull into a gas station and my engine would just kind of like sputter in. You know what I'm talking about? You know, and it would kind of be coughing in and out. And, and I knew I had done it just right. And I'd put, you know, five more dollars in. <laughs> and, uh, and, and what we see is that, uh, is, that is not uh, the, the heart of, of Paul for Christians. He really wants us to have full tanks when it comes to our spiritual well-being. He wants us to be strong in Christ, and he wants us to be alive in Christ together. And, and so, and I think the first way to, to do this together and, and, to, and to really be strong together and to grow deep roots together is, number one, that, that we're people who struggle together. And, and last week, uh, Bob talked about how, um, how uh, Paul struggled a little bit and, and uh, how he was uh, struggling to make the gospel known and to proclaim Christ and, and warn everybody and teach everybody. But he uses this same word again when he's talking about the Colossians. And, and now kind of a more speci- a, a specific group of people. And here's what he says. I want you to know 
how great a struggle I have for you. And so I wanted to spend a little more time talking about this word since it comes up again. And, and so we talked last week about how <clears throat> this is the word agon in Greek, and it's where we get the word agony. And it really did. It meant to, to struggle. It meant to like contend. It meant to um, wrestle. And, and it was an interesting word because it was tied with um, kind of like Greek culture and the Greek games. So like wrestling and racing. As a matter of fact, this kind of is the same. It's sort of a group of words. And it was a, a word that was used to talk about like the stadium where they would meet. And then it was also a word that was used to talk about the actual act of wrestling and, and racing and, and kind of the strife. And so philosophers kind of caught on to the idea. And they kind of caught on to the metaphor that like life is a struggle and good things are worth fighting for. Uh, and so, so when Paul kind of uses this word, kind of in the day, it's, it's a loaded word. And, and it means something that, that good things are, are worth fighting for. And so this is a word used in the New Testament. Like when he says to Timothy to fight the good fight, that word fight is agon. Uh, in Philippians, when he talks about being engaged in the struggle uh, that's the word agon. It's, it's agony. It's, it's contending for the faith. Or in Hebrews, the author says to run with endurance the race that's set before us. That word race, agon, is the same idea of struggling. And so when Paul is talking about his struggle for the church at Colossae, I think there's a few reasons. Um, and number one is just that, that Jesus never really promises us an easy life. He never promises us a life just full of good circumstances and, and just good things and you'll be really rich and your job won't be hard and, and, and you won't ever get sick. And, uh, and, and as a matter of fact, he says things like that we pick up our cross, uh, that we lay our lives down. And, and that this struggle, uh, it, can be, it can be a good thing in our life to struggle and to contend and to strive. This is why, like, James talks about uh, our trials being joy uh, because the Lord is at work in our lives. It's oftentimes when we're going through struggles that, uh, that naturally we just cry out to the Lord and, and he strengthens us and he helps us. It's often in times when we struggle that we can help one another. Have you ever been there where you're struggling with something and you're encouraged by another believer or another believer is able to help meet the needs that, that you have? And so, um, so there's all of these ways that our, our faith is built. And notice what Paul isn't saying. He's not saying, I'm praying that you don't struggle. He's not saying that I pray that you guys have easy lives and, and nothing goes wrong and you're not going to have to work to stay together in unity and you're not going to have to grow because you, you got it and you're already good. He's just saying that he's struggling with them and he's struggling for them. And I think we get um, a hint on, on how he's struggling for them earlier. He's already mentioned uh, that he's praying for them. He says, and so from the day we've heard, we have not ceased to pray for you. And we ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Again, in, in chapter four, uh, this is interesting. Uh, Epaphras is, is with him. He says, uh, Epaphras, uh, who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, greets you. And what's he doing? Always struggling on your behalf in his prayers. And what's he praying for? That you may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. 
And so, so Paul is struggling for the church at Colossae, and it's because that there's some trials that are entering into the church, and there's some false teaching that's, that's entering in, and what we see is that he's thinking about them. And, and, we, and this is really where, like, I think Paul is amazing because he did struggle in his own, uh, in his own walk so much to uh, really run the race for Christ and to really contend. And you might remember going through Acts a couple years ago and just talking about some of the persecution he underwent and just uh, some of the things he uh, walked through. But what I love about it is that, that he's also, uh, he's struggling on the behalf of other believers too. And for Paul, he cared about the lives of other believers. And, I, and so I think about me a little bit. I've been asking myself this question of, like, what do I struggle for? What are the things that I fight for? What are the things that I care enough to, to really agonize over and to really work towards? Um, you know, what are the things that I'm tempted to, to worry about? What are the things that, that take up my mind? And for Paul, he was, we just see that he was... Uh, uh, so committed uh, to Jesus. He was so focused on Jesus and it just overflows uh, onto the lives um, of other believers. And so, so he's struggling together. And I think about, man, what kind of church would we be? What kind of, of a body would we be if we struggled together? And so, so not only this is the idea that we're, we're living our lives for Christ, we're fully surrendered to him, uh, we're contending, we're fighting the fight, but we're a part of each other's lives too. And we know what's going on with one another and we have real friendships with one another. And so, so we're praying for one another and we're, we're really heartfelt. Uh, we're, 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 we're striving for one another and we're doing whatever we can to help one another and, and to build one another up. And, and you might ask, what kind of church would that be like? And I think a church that struggles together is sort of a church that's knit together, a, a group of people that God's put together. And that is, just so happens to be, the next way uh, that we can grow together is just simply being knit together in, in our lives for Christ. And this is kind of the next verse. So this is what he continues on. So he's praying for them. He's struggling for them. He's writing them this letter. He's thinking about them and, and, and that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love to reach all the riches of full assurance of the understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ. And uh, so there's kind of two ideas in this passage. One is that uh, he wants them to be strong and encouraged and knit together in love. So we kind of have the idea of encouraging. And then this other one is, is assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery. It's interesting. We tend to, to differentiate these two, right? Like, so over here, uh, I have my knowledge area in my life. And this is where I read my Bible by myself and I listen to podcasts and I build up my brain and I memorize scripture and all super good things, not unimportant things. But then it's, there, there can be in, in our, our walk kind of a, a separation from our, our time of fellowship. This is where I drink punch and have small talk. You know what I mean? And so there's not, there's not necessarily like a converging of the two. And what you see for Paul is that there's no separation. As a matter of fact, it sort of seems like they're related to each other. One begets the other. You know, again, he wants them to be encouraged. He wants them to be knit together. And that word encouraged, it can mean he wants them to be comforted. Uh, he wants them to be exhorted or uh, invite. He wants them to be full of courage. He wants them to be strong and, and to be built up. So how are they going to do that? Well, they're going to be knit together. And that's this idea of, of being held together. And I love that. I, I love this idea that, that you and me were knit together, 
that God's put us here and, he's, and, and that the other believers we have in our lives aren't by mistake. It isn't random. That God puts us in, in each other's paths for a reason. And we're, we're not just to be encouraged. We're not just to be knit together, but this is in a relationship of love. And before we talk about love, uh, there's a couple cool verses here. So uh, in Ephesians 4, talking about being knit together, uh, he says uh, this, from him, the whole body is joined and held together by every supporting ligament. It grows and it builds itself up as each part does it, its work. This is kind of an idea he brings up a few times that, that the body, it's one body, but there's many different parts. And all the different parts are really important. And all of the different parts play uh, a role together. And as they do, uh, what they do is, is they build each other up. Uh, it's a construction term. It, it literally is, it's like they, they become something bigger than they are by themselves. And th that's what the Lord does is he's the head of the church. He's building us up and he's knitting us uh, together. And we play a role uh, in each other's lives in that very thing. Or in uh, Colossians 3, later he says, to let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And so you have this idea of these people who are, they're helping one another and they're encouraging one another. Uh, and they're working uh, out in, in these loving relationships. And you just think about what love is like. That it's, I was just reminded of this yesterday at the wedding. <laughs> that it's, it's patient and it's kind. And you think, about, uh, you think about you and me and, and being filled with the Spirit of God and His fruit growing in our lives and, and, and being filled with the knowledge of God and His truth. All wisdom and all knowledge. And you think about a group of us getting together. Think, who wouldn't want to be a part of that? You know, who wouldn't want to spend their days uh, in a community like that? And, and the, as they do, they're, 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 they're reaching the riches of full assurance that this builds faith, it builds confidence, that we're assured in our faith, not deconstructing, not questioning everything we've ever been taught. Full tanks, that we're assured, we're built up, we're strong in our faith, in our understanding of the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ. So all of this, all of this points to Christ. All of this uh, kind of puts him um, on display and in the very center of this. So years ago, um, I started coming to Gateway. And I started coming because uh, there's a worship pastor here named Jeremy Ross. Some of you probably uh, remember him. Uh, and, uh, and so I kind of, somehow we got to know each other and I would come in and I'd play guitar every once in a while. And, uh, and this was back in the days when we were over there and there were five services. And let me just tell you, man, playing guitar for five services and a two-hour rehearsal and an hour warm-up, by the end of the week, I couldn't move these fingers. And, uh, you know, and we'd get together and you know what kind of kept me coming back? And you know what kind of plugged me in? deeper were the relationships I made doing that with the, the community there. And, uh, and so one day, uh, you know, I was asked to play guitar for uh, like a Christmas Eve service, and this was back when it was at the high school. So none other than Lee Campen was playing drums that year. 
And, uh, and this is when I first got to know Lee. And, uh, you know, at the time I was in college, and man, I was running on empty in way more than one area of my life. Uh, you know, I just, uh, my, I, I just was not really filled with uh, the Bible regularly. I, I was the type of person in college that I had like a million friends, knew everybody, and like kind of nobody really knew me and I didn't really, you know, I, I didn't really have those deep friendships either. And what I found is that even though I, you know, was filled with the Spirit of God, in many ways I was starving and I was hungry. And so when I got connected with that band and I played uh, for that weekend, we were together a lot. And you know what I remember? I remember getting to know Lee. And I remember uh, him being somebody who, like, we would talk about guitars and drums and, you know, we had a lot in common. And then just seamlessly, uh, and, and if you know him, uh, this is just kind of what he does. It just goes to the Lord. And, and he was able to identify the Lord in my life. And, and I just felt so built up and so encouraged. And, and there were other people too. It's just that one really sticks out to me. I warned him. I was going to talk about him today. Don't worry. Uh, but, uh, you know, and you know what that really did? It was so encouraging to me. Uh, and I, I just, I don't know. I think it may have even been part of the thing that kind of changed my trajectory. It, it might be part of the reason that I'm talking to you today, uh, you know? And so, so never underestimate how you can encourage somebody, how you can build somebody up. Never underestimate um, how hungry people get for the words of God, for encouragement. It's real. It makes a difference. It, it changes lives. And, uh, and, and for Paul, it was absolutely imperative that the Colossians understood that that they understood that they weren't supposed to just be a group of people that barely knew each other. They were knit together in love and they were strong in their faith and they played a role in the lives of one another being knit together. So that's the second way that you and I can grow together is we can just be knit together. I think we can not underestimate how important grow groups are. Um, I don't think we can underestimate how important ministry teams are. I don't think we can underestimate how important it is. Like we talk about reading the, the Bible and partnering together. Remember we talking about that? So I started doing that with a couple of guys I didn't know super well. And we started getting together on Wednesdays and we're slowly working through the prophets. And man, these guys have like become my friends and I tell them things about my life and we pray for each other. And it's been so encouraging. And, and I love hearing stories about how that's kind of happening in different pockets at our church. And I love that. And it's so good because it's just how the Lord knits us together. And he does it in a way that only he can do it. Uh, and, and he fills us in a way that only he can do it, but he uses us in that process. We teach each other. We encourage each other. Okay, here's the next one. That you and I can grow together by exploring together. I didn't have room to write a lot more, but here's the idea that you and me are people who are exploring the riches of Jesus together. And we just live there. We just live in the riches of his grace and his mercy and his truth, uh, the mystery of God, uh, Paul calls it, in that you and I spend our lives there. We spend our thinking there. Our focus is there. Uh, and we are people that just live for Jesus. Here's what he says that kind of talking about this mystery of God, Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. This was a slam against probably the Gnostics who were coming into the church. They were in the church and they were, they were preaching false stuff. And, and, and the idea was that the, the people, instead of going to Christ and, and how the Lord knits us together, they needed the secret knowledge. They needed like the secret sauce and, and, and maybe there was some asceticism. And, it, and this picks up in chapter two and we'll talk about it more in weeks to come. But right now I think it's just enough to say 
that there were people there that disagreed with this. Uh, and what Paul is reminding of the people is that Jesus uh, has, has been God's plan. And, uh, and so, uh, you know, Jesus himself, he tells a really interesting story. I love this story. It's just a verse long. It's a parable. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in the field, which a man found and he covered it up. And then in his joy, he goes and he sells everything he has and he buys that field because that treasure is more valuable than everything else in his life. This is why Paul can say in a different letter, indeed, I count everything as a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and I count them rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. And so this is the mystery. It was hidden uh, and in generations, but now it's revealed to the saints. And, and that is that we have, um, we have access to Jesus. And uh, you know, and that would even include uh, the Gentiles and, and that, uh, and you know, somebody was kind of making uh, the point this week, and I really liked this, that, you know, when we get together and, and we get together and, and we explore the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, that these things, they put Jesus on display. These are things that just uh, where we, we learn about him and he just embodies these things and, and, uh, and we learn them and the spirit testifies to these things. I don't know if you've noticed today, but the world, the world is hungry for wisdom. There is a lack of wisdom in the world and, and the world is hungry for knowledge. We're in an age where we have access to more knowledge than ever. And it's like there's this vain pursuit to just have more and more and more, but to never be satisfied and to always be getting more and more and more. And what Paul's reminding them here is that it's Jesus that is hidden all the treasure of wisdom and knowledge and that he's enough for us. And uh, that, uh, that it's in him where life um, is really found. And when we get together uh, and we, we celebrate that truth, um, it's a beautiful thing. Uh, my favorite person to read on this passage was uh, probably N.T. Wright. And he really kind of extrapolated the metaphor of a treasure hunt. And, uh, and I loved it because he's talking about how a lot of people treat like knowledge and wisdom like a treasure hunt. They're always looking for it. And they're always, you know, they're always kind of on to the next chapter, the next adventure. But he's like, you know, people, uh, Christians, are not that people. Christians are the people who have found it. Christians are the people that have it. They have full access to it. And so we live a different life of exploring the riches of that wisdom and exploring uh, the riches of that knowledge. At one point he talks about opening up a treasure chest just filled with the, the most beautiful things in the world and, and, and you with your friends kind of pulling through these, these beautiful rubies and these beautiful treasures. And it's like there would never be enough time to get through all of it. And that's how the word of God is. It's just, it's, it's inexhaustible. It's so rich. It's so good. And it changes us. And um, and, and, and we do that best together. And so, uh, so last week, uh, I got together with a bunch of the volunteers here. And, uh, and we got together just for the sake of being together. Uh, and, and a lot of us that, that play music on the weekends, we've done this for quite a few years together now. And, and we've been talking lately about how there's, and we love it, but it's rushed. It's busy. There's a lot of work. There's like going over the bridge again, and there's a mic check that needs to happen, and, and there's a service starting again in a few minutes, and, and there's kind of all these things or a tech issue to solve or something like that. And so we find that we're like always together, um, but but we're always kind of in a rush too. There's just kind of always like this mandatory, uh, you know, get, get it done thing that happens. And so we decided let's get together, just some of us, and let's just be together for the evening. And let's just do what we can never seem to find enough time to do on Sunday mornings. 
uh, and, and let's, just, let's just be together and talk. And, you know, it was just, I think the thing that really, and it was awesome. Like, you know, we met in a living room and there was food and, uh, you know, and, and we just sang and we were together. And, you know, it's almost like you just watch people. And, and I get to know a lot of amazing people doing this. And you just know they're deep in the Lord. You, you know that they're rooted and built up in him. And then you watch those people talk to each other and you just hear those conversations and eventually we sang together. And it was just one of those times for me um, where it was just like, man, this is, this is beautiful. This is just so what like this is all about of just building each other up and being together. And it is so good. And you know, it's like a bunch of us were kind of reflecting afterwards that it was just so good. It was just so like just what we needed. See, I, I think we can run on empty. And sometimes we forget what we have access to in Jesus and what we have access to when we're uh, with each other and we're really having that fellowship that's rooted in him. Um, and, so, uh, and, so, and so we're, we're people who explore uh, the things of Jesus together, explore the riches of Jesus together. That is a great way to grow together. So whether it's a Bible study or it's a grow group or it's a ministry team or it's just a few friends that you've had in your life and every time you get together, uh, you know, you're always encouraged, you're always built up in Christ and, and that's, that's like a particular thing. Um, you know, I encourage you this week, just pray for those people. Uh, maybe take one of those people out to coffee or, or uh, spend some time praying for your grow group uh, because these things are really amazing and Paul reminds us here that it's really important too. It's not just a blessing, it's important. And the last way we go together is that we stay firm together. So all of this is kind of in the tone of like, we have a lot of riches in Christ, but also like he's warning them, right? There's, there's a threat that's coming. And, um, and so, so let's kind of, these are the last, this is the last one. This is the last uh, couple verses we'll go through. He says, I say all this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. For though I'm absent in body, yet I'm with you in spirit. And I'm rejoicing to see your good order and your firmness uh, and the firmness of your faith in Christ. And I love this, that no one may delude you, uh, that no one might take your full tank and make it less, that no one might distract you. And, and you know what? We live in a world full of distractions. We live in a world full of opinions. We live in a world full of problems. Uh, and, and, and what Paul is saying is, is uh, you know, though we, we struggle for Christ in the midst of this world, don't let people delude your faith. Don't let people water it down. And, and that some of, these, some of these things they were hearing about Jesus, some of these things they were hearing about knowledge and wisdom and, and sort of these existential truths, they were plausible arguments. There was something to them. They just were, were damaging. Right? And, and, and if you spend too much time on them, you spend too much time in them, uh, they, can, they can hurt you. Uh, and so what he's saying is, is, is you need to guard yourselves from it. Now, what's the antidote to that? Well, it's growing deep in Jesus and it's encouraging one another. It's staying together. It's like unity is important in these things. And even though Paul isn't with them in person, that he's with them in spirit. And he's thinking about them. He's praying for them. 
He's writing them these letters. He's talking about them. Uh, and he's with them every step of the way. So uh, Josh mentioned earlier that we're kind of all from different places this weekend. And uh, it was funny because uh, Thursday, we kind of all introduced ourselves because some of us didn't know others of us. And I was like, hey, I'm Scott and I live with my parents. Because I get to say that now. So like, we're, I've probably told you about my house before. It's 90 uh, 92 years old, and so we're, we're renovating it. Uh, we're, doing like a, we're doing a bunch of stuff to it. We're, I think we're going to end up doing some of the work, but a lot of it is being done. So we've been in this process like the last two months of like moving out of it. And if, if you've ever done this and, and financed it and stuff, it's just, it's a lot of work. It's just a lot of details and a lot of moving stuff. Anyway, so we just got into my parents' house a couple weeks ago. And my mom and dad, uh, y- you know, some of you probably know them. They're great people. Uh, and they have like an adequate sized house for all seven of us, my three kids and my wife and me and my mom and dad. And they have a little dog. <coughs> And, uh, and so we're, we're all settled in with them now. And, and so our, our boys love it. And it, a lot of it like has been a, a, a party. Like a lot of it has been a lot of fun. My kids love grandpa and grandma's house. And so this is like, you know, they're like living their best life right now. And my mom and dad are doing really well with it too. I keep tripping over that. Uh, my mom and dad are doing really well with it too. They do this funny thing where, uh, so how they've made this work for them is that, uh, they sort of rearranged their room and they put like a, a TV in there and they put like a new couch in there and they've got like, you know, a bathroom in there. And so they've kind of got their, they kind of set it up like an apartment. And I was like, oh man, I, I hate to put you guys out. Like uh, we, th- we, we won't take up that much space, you know? And then I started realizing now this was more for them than us. And so, uh, you know, so it's like, you know, we'll all be there and you know, the kids, they're, they're just a lot. They're three kids and, and they're just, they have, never ceasing energy. And so like, sometimes we'll all be downstairs and my parents are like, well, we're gonna, we're gonna head upstairs. They got a mini fridge for their, their room. I mean, there's like sweet up there, right? And, uh, and we're like, oh guys, like you could stay down with us. We're gonna watch a movie. And they're like, ha, ha, ha. no, 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 you guys have fun. Okay, bye, you know? <laughs> and, uh, but the boys are like having a blast. And you know, uh, John Mark is three and Theo is five. We can't keep them in pants, shoes, or bikes because they keep getting taller and bigger. And this is like the summer of bikes. Now, one of the things about my parents' house that's really interesting is that, so they're at the bottom of a hill. And I gotta explain this to you so it will make sense. So their house is at the bottom of a hill and uh, there's a, 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 the top of the hill up here. And this is where like when you go, come into the neighborhood and you're gonna drive through the neighborhood, you come down the hill and then there's an adjacent street that goes this way, facing away from the house. And that's how you get to the rest of the neighborhood. So most people that drive into our suburb, they, they come around the corner, they go down and they turn in front of my parents' house. Well, if you keep going down, it turns into a cul-de-sac. So my kids have like this like great place to ride their bikes, but there's like this constant thread of cars, right? Because they come around the corner and you don't know what they're going to do. Are they going to turn and, and go to the rest of the neighborhood or are they going to turn around in the cul-de-sac or is it like one of the four people that live down there? You never know. So my, my kids, my boys love their bikes and this is like the summer of bikes. For, they're out there all the time. And so we, we talk about these things, right? So like they have to wear their helmets. That's just like rule number one. You got to wear your helmet. You know, rule number two, like if there is a car and there often is, you have to go all the way to the sidewalk and stop and, and let the car pass. Even if it turns, you just have to wait till there's no more car. And they're like super good at this. And the last thing is that we just want them to stay together, right? And we want them to look out for each other and we find they're really 
good at looking out for each other too. But they're never out there alone. Either my mom is out there with them or my dad is out there with them or I'm out there. Or oftentimes there's like a group of us out there with them. Now, when there is a car that comes down the corner, uh, I always hear it because as a parent, you get like spidey sense and you hear certain things. Like uh, you hear like head thumps and you can tell how bad they are. And, and you know, you hear, uh, you hear the refrigerator opening and, and, and if, it's, if it's something bad or good that they're getting. And, and you could just hear these things. You can also tell, I've learned recently, you can tell tire size and how fast a car is going, <laughs> right? And so cars come around the corner and what do we do every time? Even though we're not with our boys, what do we do? We yell, car, right? And then they yell to each other, car, and it's super dramatic and our street is super noisy now because we're out there always screaming car. But, you know, and, and then they know what to do. That's kind of what Paul is saying. Like, I'm not with you. I can't be out there with you, but, uh, but I'm with you in spirit. And, and I'm going to do whatever I can to help you, to help you keep a full tank, to help you stand firm in your faith, to help you be together. And he says this, not if, but he's rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. And I love his faith there. He's reminding them that, that you have access to the wisdom of God, the, 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 the knowledge of God. You have each other and you're saints, and you're building one another up, you're going to be just fine. And so stand firm, stand your ground. These are both military terms, good order and firmness. So you think about a group of soldiers and how, how there's good order with them and, and how they're firm. They're not wondering what they're supposed to do. They're not, they're not questioning if they, they want to go into battle or not. They're, they're soldiers. And, and, and so there's, there's something there for us too that, that we don't want to be a bunch of people running on fumes. We don't want to be a bunch of people that don't really know other believers, aren't really walking with other believers, aren't really having fellowship of the New Testament Christian church. We're a part of that. And it's a really powerful thing. Uh, and, and Jesus, our, our head, we're connected to him. And that changes everything. And so Paul says that, that he has faith that they're going to be in good order and firmness. They're going to be just fine because they're staying firm together in Christ. And so uh, today, you know, as we close our time, I just want to encourage you this week uh, to keep growing together in Christ. I think this is something that we do at Gateway and we talk about at Gateway a lot. And again, that we're people who struggle together. We're, we're striving in our own lives and, and we're pursuing Jesus in our own life. We're surrendered to him. We're saying yes to him. And, and that, that's spilling over to other people too. We care about the people in our lives. That we're people who are knit together intricately and we know each other. We're knit together, not just by, by chance, but in love, we're knit together. And so, so we're being intentional. We're having real conversations like Lee had with me all those years ago that we're exploring together. That, that we're just enamored with the truth of Jesus and our relationship with Jesus in the way that, that only, only he transforms our thinking and, and, and changes our hearts. But we play a role in that in each other's lives too. And lastly, that we grow by being firm together, and being strong together and watching out for one another. And no matter what happens, uh, that we keep growing together as we press 
onward together this week. Let me pray for us and we're gonna sing a song together. Then uh, you'll be dismissed. Uh, Jesus, uh, we just thank you so much for your word. It's such an encouragement. And I just thank you for uh, this letter and that all these years later, there's still so much in it for us. And Lord, I just pray as we dive into chapter two, kind of over coming weeks, uh, and uh, th- that you would continue just to stir our hearts like you always do. And we just thank you for that. And I pray this week, Lord, that you would just be bringing names up and putting them on our hearts, that we would be those people who would call to encourage. We would be those people not afraid to admonish when we need to. Uh, But no matter what, Lord, that we would be people building other people up in you. And, And Lord Jesus, I just pray that you would lead the way in that in each of our lives this week. Lord, we thank you for being a God who knows us and loves us and leads us. And we just ask you to do that. Jesus' name.